I've got good news this morning. And you might be wondering, well, how do I know it's good news? Well, for me, I've been plagued and have had anxiety over the bad news all my life. I, 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 all, every day. Because my natural state is to look at me. And when I look at me, all I see is bad news. And so I'm here today to tell you the good news that I am confident that it will be good news for you because it's good news for me. And I've learned that what I go through internally, I'm not the only one. There may be others. If there's at least one out there who struggles with the bad news, maybe like I do, well, then this is for you today. And maybe if you don't struggle with the bad news, this also is for you today. I, just a slight change in emphasis, just a slight renewal of the mind. Growing up, whenever we had the Lord's Supper, I grew up where we might have had it once or a quarter, or we might have had it once every few months. And so in my mind, it was, it was something that I was doing for Jesus. It was something that I was remembering. It was, something, it was like a memorial service, re- remembering Jesus. But I saw it more of something I was doing for Jesus rather than what Jesus was doing for me. And so that slight change, as I'm going to introduce that, maybe it, maybe it will make a slight change in how you view the table this morning. And I'm so thankful that we do it every Sunday because I need this. I need this every Sunday for so many different reasons. Just looking at the table differently this morning. Yes, we do this in remembrance of him. But remembering what? We remember what he did for us. And what he is continuing to do for us. So it's, the, the emphasis is on the work of Christ in the table. What he did for us. His body was broken for us. His blood was shed for us. For the forgiveness of our sins. So as we're remembering Jesus this morning, we are remembering his action. What he has done. And he still gives this gift of himself to us whenever we observe the body and blood of the Lord. And we commune together. We participate in him together as a body. As a body of the church. Across, and I'm going to read this for you right here because it's something that's helped me. And I think it's so good. Across the ages, people have believed, repeated, and celebrated the remarkable words Jesus spoke on the night he was betrayed. Few texts of sacred scripture have prompted more devout meditation or more controversy. Jesus' words are known as the words of institution because by them Jesus changed the Old Testament Passover into a new meal and celebration. He instituted or began a new covenant confirmed with his own life's blood. In these few words, he fulfilled Old Testament promises, announced present blessings, and prophesied our future in his kingdom. Because of the surpassing importance of Jesus' words at that moment in his ministry, the early church gathered the different accounts and created a harmony of Jesus' sayings so that not one promise would be lost to our ears as we gather around his table. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup at their supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the new testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The church has also remembered with bittersweet anticipation Jesus' promise. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. You see, my whole life I, I, I became anxious and, and struggled over my promises to Christ because I often broke them. This is about his promises to me, which he has not broken one. I've struggled over my life because of my commitment to Christ has been up and down and all over the place. He's made a covenant with me for his sake, for his word, for he cannot tell a lie, will not tell a lie. It's in his very blood. It's in his very body broken and shed for me. You see, this table is more of a gift. A gift to us. His very self for the forgiveness of sins. So as the men come forward, I want us to ponder and think on this. What is the benefit of communion? What is the benefit of eating and drinking? These words given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, shows us that in the table, forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation are given us through these words. For where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. How can eating and drinking do such great things? Certainly not. Just eating and drinking do these things, but the words written here, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. These words, along with the bodily eating and drinking, are the main thing in the supper. Because whoever believes these words have exactly what they say. Forgiveness of sins. Who receives this table worthily? Fasting and bodily preparation are certainly fine outward training. But that person is truly worthy and well-prepared who has faith in these words, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. If you have faith in those words, if you believe that that's, that, that that's what Jesus did for you, then this table is for you. You're invited. It doesn't say if you've cleaned up your act right. It doesn't say if you've got it all figured out. It doesn't say if, you're, if you've done everything right. No, it's, it's for the forgiveness of sins, so it's for sinners. given and shed for us for the forgiveness of sins. His body and blood broken and shed for us. So this table is more about what Christ has done for us. Let's remember that and watch how that changes our life. You're free. You're free. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for your sacrifice. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for 
forgiven your very self to us, that we can look at someone outside of ourselves as something to cling on to and to hold on to. And Holy Spirit, I just thank you this morning that in those moments that we are too weak to hold fast to the good news, you remind us that the good news of Jesus, that Jesus himself is strong to hold on to us. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. There's nothing worth more will ever come close Nothing can compare where I live in hope. Your presence, tasted and seen, sweetest of Thank you.
Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. Your presence, Lord. Lovely. Thank you all very much. Hallelujah. Praise God. Am I on? Yes, I am. Before I give you my message this morning, I was thinking also at the service, uh, we suffer not as those who have no hope. And we don't suffer for Michael being sit at the right hand of the Father, something that he's preached about all his life. But we suffer and we care for those that are left behind. But those that are left behind that know Jesus have that comfort in knowing that one day that we'll be together again. When I put out a text to the church, I put on it fair much. <laughs> Farewell, my friends, till we meet again. What a comfort that we're going to be again. So if you're in here today and you know Jesus, we're going to be together again. And if you're in here today and you don't know Jesus, it's going to be hot down there. You have a choice to make. I was angry at him on the service day because he did it again. Reverend Michael Newland, he always liked to be on top. I've tried for nearly nine years to fill this building. And he goes and does it before me. <laughs> but I don't want to fill it when it's my time to go. I want to see it filled now. And you know, I can't do it alone. I've got the grace of God. He, God says he will build our church. He will build your church. But you know, he's given his people alongside and that's going to be alongside with my message today. I feel often, and I feel myself, I'm so privileged to be in this place, and it's normally got 90 to 100 lately, or 120, somewhere in there, these last few, few weeks. We're a little light in the ground today. In fact, Ben, if you hadn't brought your brother over for <laughs> vacation, we'd have had a big hold, hole there. So we thank you for the journey, and we want to make it worthwhile for you. But, but, you know, I've tried. And sometimes you do it in your own strength. And then I would, I would say, you know, it's nice to have more people because they drag it out of you. And you seem to be uplifted and pushed more and excited more. And then people will tell me, the super spiritual ones will tell, oh, it's not in numbers. I know it's not in numbers. I'm not daft. You know what daft means? I'm not crazy. I know it's not in numbers. But you know, it makes a difference. It makes a difference in the atmosphere. And also, we are called. We're not called just to get saved and sit on the chair like a bump in a log. We are called, all of us, not the pastor, not just the pastor, 
but we're all called. We all have a mission. The title of my message today is Use What You Got. Use What You Got. There's a true story of a lady in Wales. Well, you might say, where is Wales? Well, the United Kingdom is made up of Scotland on top. <laughs> England down the bottom. Wales along the west coast and Ireland on its own off and a little island off its own and it's separated by North and Southern Ireland. Wales is down the left hand side. If you look at the map of the United Kingdom, it looks like an Arab riding a horse. And where I come from is right in the back of the Arab's head, a place called Peterhead in Scotland. And you would only go there to pass through. There's no other reason to go to Peterhead. But uh, that's where we're from. And uh, it was a great place to be brought up and to come from. There's a story of a lady from Wales, true story. She lived, it's very barren and remote in some parts of its in valleys and mountaintops. And uh, she lived in a very remote area. And she decided to pay a lot of money to get electricity installed in her home. After several months, the electricity board had realized that she wasn't using her electricity very much. So they sent and dispatched a meter reader to our home. And as he knocked at the door, the little old lady came to the door, true story, opened the door, and uh, he asked her if there was any problem. And she says, no, we don't have, in our Welsh accent, you know, from the valley, they speak different. No, we don't have any problem here, no problem at all. Uh, uh, we are delighted with our el electric power that we have in the home. But she, the, the man asked her, well, why? It's, I've read the meter, and it looks like that you don't use any of the power. You don't use it at all. It's plugged in, it's hooked up, but you're not using it. And she says, well, I do use it. I turn it on, put on the switch, till I get my tilly lamp, until I pump it up and light the gas lamp, and then we switch it off again. And she, she said to him, I, we just don't want to be a bother to you. What she did was to turn off the light, just on the light just long enough to put the switch on. And it's a silly story, I'm telling you, but it's a true story. She didn't realize the power that she had and how she could use it and it was there for her. She had paid for it, it was there, it was installed. And it made me think of so many Christians who have a link to the source, but don't take advantage of the benefits and all God has for us. It reminds me of my brother David. He lives alone in my mother's, it was my mother in his house and he has it now and he lives, but he got a new kitchen. One of the, and they've got beautiful kitchens in the UK, one of these fancy kitchens. And not only does he have a new kitchen, but he's got all these fancy appliances in his house. 
But the problem is they're digital. And he doesn't know how to work them. And for the past two years, he's never used his oven once. He has to wait for my sister to come and to work the oven and put it on. Now, he's tried to learn, but he hasn't been able to. He hasn't tried very hard. My sister would show him how to work it, you know, go through it all with him several times, but yet when he's on his own, he's unable to use that beautiful new oven, that beautiful new microwave that he has. He can't use the appliances. My sister even wrote him a cheat sheet. <laughs> a, B, C, D, this is what you do. But you know something, until he is hungry enough or interested enough to read the manual for himself, he's going to have to depend on others to feed him. Yeah. Listen to what I have to tell you. Might not be Andy Stanley. I might not be this one or that one, but I'm telling you the truth this morning, and I have a message for all of us today. He's going to have to depend on others to feed him. As I said, there are so many Christians today who are connected to the source through salvation, but so many just come along to church on a Sunday morning to get their one meal for the week and don't use the source all week long that they have and like they should. I want to encourage you all of us today, all of us, me included, to pray more. I've really been convicted this week. Really been convicted. I think I've been a little bit complacent in some areas of my own life. The way this world is going, we're going to need a lot more prayer. To withstand the attacks of the enemy, we even received a text this morning about the folks in Bainbridge where the eye of the storm went and they were in desperate need of a generator. There was a guy standing at the side of the road trying to sell a $250 generator or $350, run about $300, for $1,350, gouging the people. They don't have gasoline. They don't, they're not gonna have power for at least five weeks. In fact, John and Billy We've got one down the stairs, and if we can get it running, it's going to Bainbridge. It's going to Bainbridge, Georgia, to help them out. He was just gouging the people. Nobody has power. They've hardly any food. People are going to the grocery store with guns. They're fighting each other to get the food, and that's what it's coming to. And there are going to be days ahead when these things are going to happen. The banks are not working because they don't have any power. Cash is king. Pat, you can go under your mattress and get all you need. I know where you've got it stashed. But the people are desperate. Listen to me. The signs, you can read it in God's word. The signs of the times are everywhere. In Ephesians 6, 10, it reads like this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, because that's what they are. There are people that can scheme things, you know. And the devil is a schemer. 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Ephesians 6, 10. You just have to look around you. You don't have to look. I know Sam and Gail, they shared with Maggie and I, they don't even watch the news. And I bet you there are things going on that they don't even know about because they don't take time to watch it. Sam watches the Westerns. Gail watches these other shows I'm not going to talk about. But they don't watch the news. And there are many people like that that don't really know exactly what's going on in this country. Not only this country, but the world. Right is wrong. And wrong is right. Unfortunately, things are getting worse. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. But I'll give you good news at the end. In 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3, it reads this. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against knowledge, the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You and I, we need to pray more. Listen, I'm speaking to myself. The source. We need to pray to the source. The little Welsh woman had that power there, but she wouldn't use it. She went back to her old ways. She wouldn't use that modern, up-to-date thing that you just flick the switch. And it's there. She wouldn't do it. But you and I, we have a source also that oftentimes we're reluctant to use that source. We depend on our own strength and what we can do instead of turning on and turning Jesus on and allowing him to speak to us and to move in our hearts and lives. He is the source of our power. Plug into the source. Use the power that you have available to you. We're going to need it. We need it now. As I was watching the news segment the other morning, I often watch it before I rise. My wonderful wife, Maggie, and because I have to take a lot of medicine, she brings me through a cup of tea in the morning and brings me some fruit segments because she likes to feed me healthy things. But as I was watching the news, I was absolutely horrified. Horrified. Sam, did you know, Gail, did you know that there are covens, witches' covens, in New York that have gathered together to put... What? What did you say? Hexes. I've got it written here. Hex is on the president and the present government. They've got that going. It showed, it showed you that I couldn't believe it, that people would go and do such things. But there are those things going on in this world today. Covens are being established again to bring down the president and the United States of America. I was actually sickened to my stomach. Regardless... Which part? Listen, this is important because I'm not speaking politics. 
have to watch when you speak politics because there's one in this row that believes one thing and there's one in that row that believes another. And I love them all. So I'm not speaking politics today. I'm trying to give you what the Bible would say for us to do, what the Bible says, not in any party, which way. I'm not speaking about that. So don't take that as, a, as being a, a political stand. I was just sickened, and it's regardless who you believe in or who you trust in or who you vote in. You are afflicted with, the Bible clearly calls us to pray for our leaders of our country, regardless which party. It calls on us to pray for the leaders and people that are in government. It just showed me again that there is a spiritual battle going on right now in our country and this world. It's more than just a dislike to the president. It is like it's deeper than that. It's spiritual warfare. We were, Sam and I were in business together, my brother-in-law, we had a really good business. And when we sold it, we decided to take a group on a mission trip to the Grand Cayman Islands to some friends that had uh, services down there. And we had services in the morning. I mean, it was, wasn't an easy trip. I had over 30 people with us. We had to look after them all. Uh, but we, we were in service from four in the morning on up through into the night. We had prayer meetings. We had services in the open airs. We had services in the prison. We had services in the full gospel businessmen. We were in services in churches. We were meeting at lunchtime with business groups. We, we spent the whole time ministering. And Sam and I, we funded that, that mission trip to go down there. And one night, I'll never forget it, we were, we were preaching in the open air. And when we went up in the platform, there was a stench in the platform, and I couldn't understand what it was, I didn't know. But we realized afterwards that they had been doing voodoo. That's goes on today, voodoo, yeah. and the stench and the smell was there against our presence being there and against the Lord that we were speaking about and ministering to. And it was there, it was going on in there, so I experienced it. And then there was people that come forward that, that was demon-possessed. Big Eric Shubridge, some of you know him. <laughs> he would worry he was praying for a boy and they let loose. And he got this, he was in the Navy for years, a Navy commander, and he hadn't seen nothing in the Navy like he saw in that service. So these things are abounding today. They're in our world today. I have experienced it myself, yeah. spiritual warfare. Sure. And we have to stand against it, but we've got somebody far greater than the enemy. Hallelujah. Not long after that segment on the witch's coven, there was a segment that came on about the release of Pastor Andrew Brunson. Amen. Give him a big hand. He was released from prison in Turkey on Friday for being in captivity for more than two years. And after I was watching it, and I was interested in it, because I knew a lot of the stuff had been going on behind the scenes. After the pastor, who was very, very humble, had thanked everybody, the president, thanked him for all his efforts, all the president's men. You know, when I do something here as a pastor, I get all the thanks. But I can't do the things behind the scenes, help Ursula in our home, put on the meals here, and, 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 and take care of, of who's going to do the breakfast in the morning, cleaning up the church, and 
or I get the credit for it, but it's not me that does it. And it's the same as the president. He gives the word and then other people have to do all the work to do it. So the, the pastor was thanking, yes, thanking the president, but he was also thanking the president's men. And I was looking on and I was watching intently and uh, of all that went on to get the release, to help to release this pastor, Andrew Brunson. He asked, after he had thanked everybody in the cabinet, he asked the president if it would be all right if he prayed for him. And the president said these words, yes, I probably need it more than anyone else. Could you show the, hit the lights? I want you to watch this segment, please. Hit the lights, please. This actually happened and for all the world to see. All the news people had it on. Put the lights down a little bit if you can. And play it. Can you play it? Just, just bear with me just a second. Lights down if you can on a platform. This actually happened for the whole world to see. Sam, you maybe didn't see it this week, but we're showing it to you now. It's Jimmy, it's a problem, so just hold time. It's an oval office. Hang on, it's not finished. Keep it running, there's not finished. There's an important part coming right behind it. Have you got it? The spirit of knowledge. And the fear of the Lord. Okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. A very heart doeth good like a medicine. Pastor Andrew said he sent a the president asked him who he voted for. And he says, Well, I sent an absentee bar ballot from the prison. Regardless of what you think of the man as a man, but of his office, the Bible clearly tells us that we should be praying for him. All over the world saw that message of a humble man praying for the president and this country, great country of the United States of America. I firmly believe that. 
Now, I'm going to say a strange thing to you, and you might not believe it. But I thought about it afterwards, and I wondered if Pastor had been, Andrew Brunson, had maybe even been put in prison for all that time, for such a time as this. All the suffering he had to go through, we don't know, but that was just my own thoughts. He was put in prison, perhaps, or had to endure that. But through it all, when he come to the other end, he had the privilege of praying for the president and for this country and the other of the Holy Spirit to move in his life. Yes, he was right. He needs it probably more than anybody. But I need that same prayer in my heart and in my life. I need God to move in my life and in my spirit. What a beautiful prayer it was. And Pastor Andrew went right to the source. Lately, as I've been enjoying our services so much, and we've been running about 90, believe it or not, to 120, depending on how Larry feels, <laughs> if he's got a clear mind and if he can count the numbers right. But we've been running about that numbers, and you get a little bit complacent, and we sit back in our laurels. I have come to realize that although we are growing as a church, we are not seeing enough people being saved. We are not seeing enough people come to know Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. We need to pray more for the lost. We need to bring them in and think of all the missed opportunities this morning that you and I have of bringing people to come to know Jesus to share the good news of Jesus Christ. I still remember that morning when I accepted him into my heart and life at two o'clock in the morning going back into an environment that I left with shootings, with riots, with guys I fought with, drank with, did everything that soldiers do with. Going back into that environment, I still remember today, that moment when I bowed the knee and I accepted Jesus Christ into my heart and life. Didn't have a Bible didn't have a pastor, didn't have a Christian friend. But you know, he brought me through all that to where I am today, and I have to give him thanks for that. I don't, I'll never forget that day, and nobody will be able to take that from me. Matthew 28, 16 through 20, it says this. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Verse 19. Therefore, this is for all of us. All of us. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely... I am with you always to the very end of the age. I have a challenge for us all today. I wish there was more here to hear it. But I'm challenging my own life. I'm challenging my own walk. And I'm challenging you all, everyone that's sitting here. Who will stand with me? Use the power that has been given to us through prayer to come against the powers of the enemy, bringing down the strongholds that would bind us 
and cripple our country. These are perilous times. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I want us to make a conscious effort to pray this week. And that goes from you folks for England as well, to pray for those that are in, I know you live in the greatest part of the world, Scotland there, but to pray for those in authority, everyone in authority. That's what we're called to do. And we're called, we might not be able to make the changes, we might not be able to change President Trump's heart, but God can. And he can make a way with that man and the power that he has to change everything that comes to face him. And if he looks at something and he has it with the heart of Christ in him. You know, he was, his mother was born, President Trump's mother. Maggie reckons that she's related to him. His mother and Maggie's grandmother were on the same island in Scotland, the Isle of Lewis, and he was born there when the great, he wasn't born there, where the great revival came, and his mother was in that, grandmother was in that revival. And they were in it, they sensed it, they felt it, they saw it, and I believe that there, are, there is something there that is yet to be tapped in his life. So for Maggie's cousin's sake, let's pray for the president. You might see me in a White House one day, I don't know. Probably be painting it, getting John to paint it, and I'll be the supervisor. But I really do, seriously, I want us all, listen, at the closing moments of this service, I want us all to be conscious, first of all, of the power that we have through Jesus Christ. Secondly, through the calling that we have on the Great Commission. That it's all right for us to go on and happily we are saved and we know where we are going. But what about the one next to you? Or what about those that you meet in a grocery store? A little bit of love, a little bit of kindness, so that they can see something in you that is different. And if they ask you, you're able to tell you. Just like that person in the immigration that asked me how I made it for 40 years being married just last week, or August the 10th, 40 years. And he asked me the question, he looked up in the mirror, well, how did you do it? And I hesitated for a moment. And then I gave him the answer. I says, it's the grace of God. I says, we are Christians, and it's the grace of God in our lives. And it's the grace of God in all of our lives that comes through so that you and I, we can make a, a difference. Let's go out and win the loss today. Billy, would you come forward? Would you come out and win the loss today and bring them in to know Jesus Christ to be their own personal savior? The greatest decision that I ever made was when I accepted him into my heart and life. And this morning, in the closing moments of our service, if you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart and life, let me give you an opportunity. All of us here that know him will be praying for you, will be encouraging you, will be lifting you up, will be cheering you on to the moment that you ask him to come into your heart and life.
don't be shy. Maybe you've done, made that decision before. And you've fallen maybe back a little bit. Perhaps you've been walking the fence. Let me encourage you. Don't walk the fence no more. Be sold out today. Be sold out for, to Jesus. Plug yourself into the power source. You've got the power within you, and that power comes from him. Don't just put the light on long enough to use something else or do something else, but put that power on and use it, the power that he has given us, so that we can let our light shine into all the world and bring everyone in to know him. It's amazing. I say in this church, it's a place where you matter. 